episode contains depictions of violence and murder against Indigenous people. We ask that you use your best judgment before listening. If you're an Indigenous person, please consider a form of self-care after listening. Thank you. Tabitha Ann Goins is a beautiful mother of four pretty little girls. And one Saturday night, she made plans with them to roast marshmallows outside by the fire. But as the seconds and minutes and hours ticked by, they sat waiting, but Tabitha never showed up. That was almost three years ago in November 2019, and Tabitha hasn't shown up since. This is the Red Justice Project. Lost life Tabitha Ann Goins is the eldest child of parents Peggy and Frank Eason. She's Lumbee, and she grew up in the Hope Mills area and went to school there. She has one brother. And I just got back from my Disney trip with my niece and nephew, and they fought like 98% of the time, so I can only imagine that Tab, which is what her family called her, and her brother probably got into some arguments growing up. I'm sure that's definitely true. And you're in for um, some arguments, too. Would you about to welcome your new baby into the world? I know I'm not prepared for that part of motherhood, but we'll see. I'll just wing it like <laughs> I'm sure most do. Right. And also, Tabitha's mama described her as being a wonderful daughter, and her friend Carrie described her as having a, a really good heart and just being a lovely and spunky person. And Tabitha had a few different jobs after high school, so she worked at a chiropractor, a doctor's office, and a lawyer's office, so she kind of did a bit of everything. And she also moved out of her parents' house and got married and had four daughters, which is a whole lot of mini matriarchs running around the house. That is. And I have one daughter now, and she's a pure handful, so I could not imagine four. But things with her husband, whose name is Anthony Goines, didn't end up working out so well, though. Apparently, he was in and out of jail a lot, and that put a really big strain on their marriage. And so Tabitha left him at some point. And we also read on social media that he may have been physically abusive to Tabitha also. And unfortunately, sometime after she left Anthony, she ended up developing a drug addiction. And we're not sure if she ever used drugs during her marriage, but we do know that it got worse after her and her husband split. And I'm sure it was probably painful dealing with the loss of her marriage, raising kids alone, and also dealing with the emotional trauma of the abuse she had suffered. Yeah, that is a lot to deal with. And unfortunately, a lot of people turn to drugs to cope. And also, drugs just seem to be so readily available, not only in Robinson County, but also in Cumberland County, which is right next door and where Tabitha lived. So Tabitha made several attempts to get off drugs, but her mama said that every time she was successful in getting off, the people who she used to use with would contact her and kind of start pressuring her to use again, and so she eventually would relapse and start using drugs again. 
and her parents even helped her get an apartment kind of away from those people so she could put some distance between her and them and get in a new environment, but she still wasn't able to kick her addiction. And at some point during this time, Tab begins a new relationship or a situationship, whatever you'd like to call it, with a man named Dennis. And I don't know how long they knew each other or dated, but in 2018, he posted a pic with her on his social media and said, I love this woman so much. She takes good care of me. Y'all, I feel like once we start reading Facebook posts from women's boyfriends, it's a bad sign. Well, you were exactly right, because this is definitely not a good sign, unfortunately. So Tabitha keeps her apartment, but she stays with Dennis mostly, it seems, at his house in Grays Creek off of Highway 87 South. She even has her girls living there with her for a period of time, but unfortunately things got bad there pretty quickly. The oldest girl said that she saw Dennis grab her mama by the throat and pin her to the wall. And she was just around seven years old at the time when she saw this and she got the phone and she called 911. But when the dispatch asked her address, she hung up because she didn't know the address there and she got scared. And the girls also claimed that they saw women passed out there at the house sometime, um, which Tab's family thinks meant that they had overdosed on drugs. Also, it's important to point out that we don't know officially what Dennis does for a living, but we do know that Tab's family calls him her supplier and other mothers on Facebook also claim that he supplied their daughters with drugs as well. And also, I think it's important to acknowledge how complicated relationships like these are. It's already hard enough to leave a relationship with somebody, but imagine throwing drugs and abuse in the mix. And Tab's mama doesn't believe that Dennis should even be called her boyfriend, but he should be called her supplier instead, like Chelsea mentioned. However, her friend Carrie did say that she thinks that their relationship was romantic, but it was definitely also really predatory too. And just remember, Tab has these four little girls living there. Her mama told us that Tabitha loved those girls with everything in her, but the drugs totally took over her life. She said one night she was at church and Tab called her and kept calling. So they finally answered and it was actually one of Tab's daughters and they found out Tab had overdosed. And then Tab's kids got taken away from her by social services and the grandparents got custody of them. And at first, Tabitha could only see the girls twice a month at her parents' house, but she took classes through DSS and ended up getting her visitation increased. So she got to see them more and also spend nights there at her parents' house. And her mama said that she never went one single night without calling the girls to tell them goodnight, which is honestly kind of rare with people who are struggling with addiction. Yeah, it's kind of reminding me of um, Kim Smith's story, who we covered a few episodes ago. Yeah, and I've been thinking a lot about her, too, just um, as I reflect on Tabitha's life. And while all of this is happening, Tab's relationship is also becoming more controlling. Her mama, Peggy, told us that Tab told her that Dennis had a tracker on her phone and he would drive by her house when Tabitha was visiting her. And all of this comes to a head in November of 2019. So on Wednesday, November 20th, Tabitha visits with her parents and her girls. This was about a week before Thanksgiving. And while she was there, she promised the girls that she would come back on Saturday night to roast s'mores and weenies with them. And the girls were really excited about it. And on that Saturday morning, Peggy, Tab's mama, got a text from Tab saying, don't forget the stuff for the cookout. And then she listed out the stuff they would need and put double spaces between everything. And Peggy thought it was strange because Tab doesn't text that way, putting like the double spaces between each word. And so the day continues on, and then that Saturday turned into Saturday night, and the girls and Peggy are wondering where Tab is. 
and this is very unlike her, you know, not to show up. But that next morning, which was Sunday, Peggy got a call from somebody who she had never met before. It was Dennis, and he asked her if she had seen Tab. And she says she talked to him, but um, he called her multiple times after this, and she told him that she had not seen Tab. And the more Miss Peggy got to thinking about it, she wondered how he even got her number in the first place. So she called him back, and this is what happened. When is the last time you've seen Tabitha? And what? Did something take place? Why you don't know where she's at or you keep calling? He said, uh, let me call you back. Well, by this time Monday, I called the cops and reported her missing that something won't right. So then he calls back and tells me that he got busted. ALE busted him for, he was running a bar out of the building on his property. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he said that he seen them coming through the cameras and that he got her and they went out the back door, jumped the fence, and went to the woods. And so I asked him, I said, so what? Did Tab go running ahead of you and you lose her out there in them woods because they're not that thick? And he said, no, no, I wouldn't have done that because uh, she didn't have her glasses on. So I held her hand because I knew she couldn't see without her glasses. And I said, so she didn't have her glasses on? He said, no. And I didn't want her tripping over branches and stuff, so I held her hand. I said, well, how did you lose her then if you were holding her hand? He said, when we turned to come back, I thought she was right behind me, and I turned around and looked, and she was gone, and I ain't seen her since. I said, that don't make no sense. Did you go looking for her? Well, I looked around, and I I couldn't find her nowhere. And I said, well, what do you think happened? And he said, I don't know, uh, aunt, which is the, the husband that she wasn't with. Mm-hmm. I said, well, he's in prison. He said, well, I don't know, uh, maybe human trafficking. You know, she's a pretty girl. I said, so you're telling me that at 1.30 in the morning, somebody was waiting in the woods from human trafficking to grab her. Well, I'm just trying to come up with what could have happened. Somebody could have picked her up. And then a few days later, Dennis calls Peggy's husband, who's also Tab's father, Frank, and this is what happens. So then a few days later now, he calls my husband's phone and gives my husband a phone number and asks him did he know whose number it was. And my husband told him no. Why would he know that number? And he said, well, they keep calling Tab's phone. So I called him back. I said, what do you mean? How do you know they're calling Tab's phone? You said you didn't have Tab's phone. And somebody stole it. He said, oh, no, I found it. I said, well, I need the phone. Bring it here or I'll send the sheriff to get it. And Dennis does bring the phone to her mama, like he said. And when she opens it, you know, she's anxious to go through it and and find Tab, figure out where Tab's at. She realizes that she can't do that because every single text and call has been deleted from the cell phone. Wow, there's just so much wrong with this whole picture. But Dennis's story about the ALE raid, which stands for Alcohol Law Enforcement, is just kind of sketchy, though, right? Yeah, and this is what her childhood friend Carrie said about it. I've walked those woods. There is no possible way, with or without glasses, Tab could have went nothing in those woods. None. Because they're just not thick enough? No. And he didn't run through the woods. He ran. They didn't surround the house when they did the raid. So if they would have done their job properly, 
they would at least call it that part. I don't know if Tab was here the night of the raid. So the woods weren't even thick and the ALE didn't even surround the house and no one can officially say if Tab was even there that night. And after the ALE bust, Dennis was arrested, but he was out soon after and he only got probation even though some hard drugs were found. Yeah, and um, to make matters even worse, so remember Tab's family reported her missing that Monday, November 25th, and the police actually didn't even search Dennis's property until two weeks later, which was in December by that time. And I mean, think about it. If you have something to hide, two weeks is a hell of a long time to hide it. Yeah, it really is. That's all the time in the world. And Dennis immediately lawyered up, and news reports also say that he refused to take a polygraph test. He also didn't help with any of the searches for Tab or pass out flyers or anything, but yet he told people that she was the love of his life. And another pretty troubling thing about this is that Dennis had a lot of cameras at his house, like multiple on the outside of his home. However, the family was told that the cameras in the back of the house where he said him and Tab ran from that night were not working that evening. And apparently the police didn't even take the cameras anyways. Wait, wait, they didn't take the cameras? What in the, like, what in the world? I would think that would be the first thing that they would take, even if he said they didn't work. Yeah, I mean, they didn't take the cameras. They didn't search the property until two weeks after she was reported missing. They also told Miss Peggy that they could recover the deleted texts and calls from Tab's phone, but they haven't told her anything at all about that yet. And remember, it's been almost three years. And another strange thing involves the descriptions of Tab's clothes on the day she went missing. So Dennis claims Tab was wearing leopard print leggings and white and orange Nikes that night. Well, the police told Tab's family they found the Nikes in a field, but then later they told the family they don't actually have her shoes. And remember also that the police did a search of the property. Well, the family and friends also did a search before the police did, and they found absolutely nothing. But when the police searched... They did find Tab's glasses, some contact solution, and a pocket knife that she was known to carry. And these items were just kind of sitting there perfectly on the ground. And the family said that they felt like the items had been planted there by somebody. But also remember that Dennis said that she didn't have her glasses on. And so that's why he had to hold her hand to guide her through the woods. And also, why would she have contact solution on her? Like, if she had to hurry and flee from the ALE, I'm sure she wouldn't grab her contact solution. And also, how did she have on Nike shoes or have time to put on Nike shoes but not have her glasses on or have time to grab her phone? And how did the family search and find nothing? And then the police just seize these items sitting out in the open. Yeah, the math ain't mathing for me. You know, it's not making any sense at all. And another part of all of this is her family made a Facebook page called Bring Tab Home, which I encourage everybody to follow right now if you want to keep up with Tab and keep up with updates. And on that page, her mama started getting tips coming in from people about stuff that they heard about, you know, what had happened to Tab that night. Well, her mama tried to turn in some of these tips to the lead investigator on the case, and the detective told her that they don't investigate hearsay, which is like, Dumb AF, right? Because all tips are hearsay. Like, imagine somebody telling you they killed somebody and then you go try to turn them in and the cops are like, well, we can't do nothing because that's hearsay. Yeah, that makes absolutely no sense. So Tab's mama called the sheriff and he said they weren't true and they'd put a new detective on the case. And then they got another one after that. And honestly, none of them are really working out or keeping her updated on the investigation. 
So the family actually ended up hiring a private investigator, and they didn't just hire like any private investigator, they hired the private investigator. And he's really famous. His name is David Washburn, and he became famous after he solved the Kelly Bordeaux case in Fayetteville, which was featured on Dateline. Y'all might remember it, but she was a soldier at Fort Bragg. She was estranged from her husband, and she had a new boyfriend. But she went out one night to a bar and got a ride home from a guy who ended up killing her. And David Washburn ended up making friends with the guy and kind of tricking him um, into, you know, believing they were friends. And the guy ended up confessing and leading him to where Kelly was buried. And then David Washburn ended up actually even spending his own money to help solve the case. Wow, he sounds amazing. And I really hope that he can help bring Tab home. And remember how we said earlier that Anthony, who is Tab's husband, was in jail at the time she went missing. Well, he got out a little after that, and according to him, in February 2020, he was walking down Highway 87, which is the road Tab was living on. He said that a man drove up beside him and rolled down the window and said, I hear you're looking for me. And Anthony said, Who are you? And the man said, Get in the car. We need to talk. And when he did, the man said, I'm Monkey Man, which is what Dennis's nickname was. And then Anthony said, well, I'm the husband of the wife you killed. And then he pulled out his box cutter knife and cut Dennis pretty bad. And I think Anthony also claims that Dennis attacked him first. And after Anthony cuts Dennis, Anthony gets out of Dennis's car and runs away. So then Dennis is bleeding pretty bad and ends up crashing his car into a fire department. And according to ABC 11, the fire chief actually goes to see what happened. And the firefighters come outside and they start rendering aid to Dennis until the ambulance arrives. And then he gets further medical attention and actually has to undergo surgery. And y'all, his injuries were apparently pretty bad. His bleeding was life-threatening. So if he hadn't been near the fire department that night, he might have died. And not long after that, Anthony Goins is arrested for attempted murder and assault with a deadly weapon, inflicting serious injury with the intent to kill. And he's given a $200,000 secured bond. But apparently he either didn't get much time or he made bond because he got out of the jail for that crime. But now we want to get into some of the things the family's been told about what happened to Tab. Apparently, there were at least two other people there that night at Dennis's house, the night of the ALE raid. It was a guy and his girlfriend. Also, a woman who was struggling with drug addiction said that she, quote unquote, helped that night. And we're not sure if it's the girlfriend of the guy who we just mentioned who was there. But this is what the woman told the family, according to Carrie. The comment she made about her body being dead weight. I mean, how heavy it was, this and that. But when the cops got this information, they said the girl was just a crazy drug addict. And they just dismissed her story. Which, like, okay, yeah, she's probably definitely a drug addict if she was hanging out over there, as are most of the people who probably spend time there. So does that mean that you shouldn't listen to anyone at all involved? And if that's the case, how will you ever find out anything? Exactly. And in addition to that, here are the other two theories that the family is most often told by people who claim to have knowledge of what happened. You know, we've heard, we've heard these two main stories. A, she OD'd, they freaked out they buried her and b they got in an argument he choked her it went too far it killed her wow it's literally like the two worst possible options but i also think it's important to note that dennis does have a felony charge he was charged with felony assault by strangulation against a woman in the past 
Yeah, and it's not surprising given what we know about his relationship with Tab. Another theory that has went around is that there was a huge concrete slab put in his backyard and people said that that's where Tab was, either buried underneath the concrete or inside of it. We're not really sure and we don't think that that lead has been properly investigated either. And some people even believe that Tab just ran off that night, but that seems pretty unbelievable to me because she was in contact with her family pretty regularly, especially with her mama and her girls, and she had never missed a holiday or a birthday or anything before. And her mama said she would never, never leave her kids for this long without talking to them. Tab's family and friends believe that her case would get more attention if she had not struggled with a drug addiction. And this is what her friend Carrie said. Has always stayed night hard for much since. Oh my god. And I mean, I've had words with the lieutenant, um, and my personal opinion is they pretty much chalked Tab up to being a junkie and just assume she's whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if she is, she wasn't, whatever the case is. And it's a special kind of evil to only care about finding certain kinds of people. And this is why MMIW even exists in the first place. Also, we covered Kent Jacobs' case in our first season, and he's still missing from around the same area as Tab. And his family and Tab's family actually go to the same church. And when she told me that, y'all, my jaw just dropped. And Peggy also told us that she has custody of all of all four of Tab's daughters. And if anybody would like to help in any kind of way, please message them on the Bring Tab Home Facebook page. They have a bank account set up through Truist Bank that accepts donations to help with Tab's daughters. And also, as we mentioned before, the police have kind of bungled this investigation. So if you have any information about the case, please contact the family directly using the Bring Tab Home Facebook page. You can send them a direct message there. If you know something, please contact them. The littlest detail, the smallest memory could help bring Tab home. Thank you for listening. Source materials and show notes can be found on our website, redjusticepodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media at Red Justice Podcast. This is the Red Justice Project. Though I didn't have a chance to say goodbye, I'll say hello in the afterlife just like the first time we met.